Hi, everybody. This is Science Modeling Talks, the podcast that features top modeling instructors and thought leaders sharing ideas. I'm your host, Mark Royce. Remember to visit sciencemodelingtalks.com to access extra content related to our interviews and to learn more about our guests. While you're there, share your thoughts and comments by clicking the link that says, Tell us what you think. We really want to hear from you. Okay, let's get started with today's episode. My guests for this episode are Ariel Serkin and Brenda Royce. Ariel has been teaching since 2001, most recently as chemistry teacher at Cambridge Ringe and Latin School. Trained as a modeling instruction leader in 2018, Ariel has led numerous workshops for the American Modeling Teachers Association, STEM Teachers Mass Bay, New England Association of Chemistry Teachers, and at local, regional, and national conferences on modeling instruction. Also on standards-based grading and equity in the science classroom, Ariel currently serves as president for STEM Teachers Mass Bay and has served as regional representative for the American Association of Chemistry Teachers and on the executive board of the NEACT. She also writes for ChemEd Exchange. She's the 2020 AACT High School Chemistry Teacher of the Year and the 2021 recipient of the AMTA's Malcolm Wells Leadership Award and a 2021 Massachusetts PAEMST finalist. Brenda Royce has her BA in Chemistry from California State University, Fresno, and an MA in Education from Fresno Pacific University. She has taught high school chemistry and physics for 27 years after a 14-year career as an environmental analytical chemist and research assistant. She has been using modeling instruction in her classes since 1998. Brenda has conducted numerous training workshops in the practices of modeling instruction for pre-service and in-service teachers. Since 2000 in California, Arizona, Texas, and Pennsylvania, as well she's made presentations about modeling instruction at NSTA, WRNC, Kim Ed, and the BCCE conferences. She has been one of the lead contributors in the development of curriculum materials for modeling instruction in chemistry. Here's my interview with these two modeling experts. Hi, Ariel. Hi, Brenda. How are you guys doing? Hey, Mark. Nice to see you. It is good to see you. You too. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm interested to hear about this topic today for this episode because I think it's going to be very interesting to our listeners. I'm, uh, I know you guys just recently finished a workshop, online workshop for the AMTA, and it was entitled, if I have this right, Improving Student Mathematical Reasoning with Modeling Instruction. Is that right? Is that the right title? Yes, correct. Is it long enough? <laughs> was it long enough for you? We can make it longer. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Improving student mathematical reasoning with modeling instruction. Now, this is a focus on math, but you guys are chemistry teachers, right? Exactly. Yep. And so why are you doing a webinar about math? Well, because... Um, all 
shall I make my quote? Please. Um, all, all of science, all of nature is quantitative and students have to be able to reason about the quantitative na- you know, nature of the world around them in chemistry and in every other science. And that is an area that students struggle in quite frequently. So for them to understand nature, they're going to have to be able to reason with the quantities that nature presents to us. Ariel, what, why are you guys focusing on math in the, in the chemistry classroom? I see the need for it from, from Brenda, but tell me your perspective. It's, it's really the same thing. And uh, we actually, the webinar that we did most recently for AMTA was modeled off of a workshop we did this summer at the Biennial Conference on Chemical Education in at Purdue University in Indiana, because it was really important for us to have this conversation with other chemistry teachers. There has been a push in certain chemistry classes to make it completely conceptual and to remove the mathematics from it. And what Brenda and I are saying is, is that you can't remove mathematics from chemistry, that it is inherent to nature. It is inherent to the discipline. It's inherent to the world. And we wanted to help have conversations with other educators. And at BCCE, it was chemistry educators at this AMTA webinar we did. It was for all sides types of science educators, ways that we can bring this and help identify student struggles and address them really early on. Can you guys describe what the webinar was like for those who weren't able to attend? Can you tell us about some of the content that you covered and kind of the approach you took? I mean, whatever you can tell us. So we have a picture of what it was. (laughs) Uh-huh. Uh-huh. to trim this down. <laughs> um, well, one of the, one of the things that we had to look at was a bit of the nature of the problem, if you will, take a very scientific approach here. We have to look at the nature of the problem and um, what it is that students struggle with. Kind of one of the things is um, the difference between novice and experts in the area of science and how they think differently about knowing and what that means. So, for instance, students, um, if you ask them, how does this compare to that? They will always subtract the two values. Just about, I don't know, what do you say, 90% of the time? Um, it's just a really common novice way of thinking about things. When they want to know if they know something, they look to see if they got the right answer, but Mm. not the reasons behind it. Whereas, of course, scientific community is the why and, you know, what caused it to be that way. That's, That's our definition of knowing. So moving these novice scientists into a more mature way of looking at it. But in modeling, which is, it's been very successful in, taking ideas and putting them into multiple representations. So we would describe in words, we might use graphs, we might use diagrams, we might use mathematical expressions um, in order to get a coherent picture of an idea. And what, you know, um, one of the things I've been realizing in my class and in talking with Ariel, we both realized um, students don't 
understand their re- their mathematical reasoning from a conceptual level. And we've realized as we've been working that some of the things that have been effective have been when we turn those mathematical ideas into diagrams, into diagrammatic ways of thinking about the reasoning by giving concrete form to the quantitativeness that we're looking at and how it how it works together. Um, something to add, Ariel? Yep. So this was, so we began exactly as Brenda said, by identifying the problem and the, and what we saw as techniques to begin to address. And we're educators, so we know that nothing is perfect for all people, but how do we see our students being able to work through it? And we really tried to also get to, with our participants in this workshop, why this is so crucial. And in many novice chemistry classes or in science classes in general, it boils down to memorizing or manipulating different formulae. It's a purely algorithmic response to understanding science is, oh, I can get a right mathematical answer. That means I understand the science. And what we, through this workshop and webinar, tried to make sure that people understood that it was the conceptual understanding that was most important. And once you understood the concepts of these main ideas of numbers and uh, quantities and relationships all of a sudden you can have transferable skills and it's not about memorizing many different formula. It's just about understanding what these things are. Yeah. And just be, that language is becoming natural to the two of us. But when we ta- we're talking about that, students and sometimes even educators drop their guard and act like everything with a number is just treated like a number. And yet, the sci- you know, in the science community, we know that when we say two grams, we're talking about an amount of matter, you know, a mass. But if we talk about two meters per second, that's a relationship between two different quantities, time and position. And students do not make that distinction. Time, you know, two, two meters per second to them is often no different in thought than two meters but those are very different. One describes the rate of motion of a car and the other just simply describes how far anything could be, a length, a a distance traveled, whatever. And um, I know one of the first doorways into this for me was recognizing students don't get that distinction. If it has a number in front of it, that's what it is. And I know science teacher response has often been, you gotta get the units on it, you gotta get the units on it, you gotta get the units on it. And we have the phrase, no naked numbers. But the students often just see the teachers making me add these letters for no particular reason other than they want them there. It's not adding to their thinking because they don't see the distinction. They don't see a meaning difference between them. And so, um, you know, there's a difference between, say, in the store, um, I need to buy two pounds of meat or I have $20 in my wallet but the really crucial thing is how many dollars per pound is this piece of, you know, this roast I want to buy? Or if I want to buy a bag of apples, how much does it cost me per pound? Because that's how the grocer tells us what it is. 
but in that setting, they get that the dollars, the money I spend is different from the price listed on the, you know, on the item in the grocery store, but they don't transfer that over to, there are different types of quantitative information that nature provides for us. And we are simplifying it. I don't know, simplifying is quite, quite word, but we're distinguishing quantities that are single measurements and relationships that have two different measurements that are intricately linked to one another. And the, like, oh, go ahead. I was gonna say, and the other thing that we are also distinguishing between these these relationships and these quantities is actually what a number is because our students just think a number is a number is a number and we don't deal with numbers the same way that a student in a math class does that we think of that the mathematical skills are the same but we look at numbers differently because in our classes we often deal with quantities and relationships and not as often numbers the same way. When I ask my student, what's a number? The whole classroom gets really quiet. <laughs> and there are these inward thoughtful looks on students' faces because they realize they don't really quite know how to say it. And their efforts to try either come back to trying to give us a quantity mm -hmm. or they think of a numeral. And yet... A number is an abstract idea. We only know how what number to use in a quantity after we've defined something that we can call one. And so it's actually a comparison, which is why we say six grams, because the gram defines how much one is. We have some agreed upon amount of matter that is one gram. But we know it's six because this one is in where the human mind manages to hold that relationship in a knowledgeable way is I haven't quite figured out entirely, but we do it. <laughs> it's we understand what sixness is. The word Brenda is actually called subitize. 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 That we can like intuit some of these numbers easily. Um, uh -huh. I learned that in one of the classes I took with Colleen McGowan, actually, in an article oh, we cool. read. So supertize, that we can like intuit numbers and babies can even do this. So it goes back to nature and it, by itself and humanity, we quantify things and, and we try to get these things out. And then Brent, in one of our conversations, uh, I, I said, Brenda, numbers are adjectives. And we had this whole conversation that we're talking about adjectives and not nouns. And these are all descriptors. Yeah, because as Ariel pointed out, in our own language, we say like three blue cars. Three is in the position of an adjective, just like blue. And we even have a special place for it as the lead adjective. Mm -hmm. um, but that led me to the thought, and I kind of had that there, but it helped put some language to it. You know, when students start struggling with math, it's when they stop using manipulatives often not guaranteed, but often. So they, they, quit take, they quit thinking of it in concrete terms with things that they're in front of them or that they can handle or draw or something. And they start doing completely symbolic math. 
<laughs> and that means that there is no defined one in any of their thinking. There's not an object or something like it to help give meaning to the numbers they're working with. And that's when they start to struggle with the mathematical symbols. And algebra is almost entirely symbolless. I mean, you know, in the senda, not symbolless, but in entirely abstract. So, so when they, when, when kids enter algebra, that's kind of when they stop using the manipulative uh, form of. Well, no, reasoning? it happens in elementary school usually. Okay. Um, right. More so, the focus is on learning all the math facts, maybe, or trying to do you know various forms of division or fractions or whatever. And it's not that there's none. I think they're it's beginning to come back to more of that in the lower grades. But yeah, by algebra, it is turning into a really abstract symbol set. Mm. And if you think about trying to understand reasoning when you're only speaking in adjectives, mm. how, easy, how easy would it be to lose mm. that idea and of what it is that you are talking about? Those of us who've already made strong connections with numbers with actual things will automatically put something in there to make it make sense. So our goal here is to take these abstract concepts and to make them a little more concrete and to put back these, these diagrams and actual manipulatives in some case to help build their conceptual understanding. And at the same time, they're building their, con their mathematical confidence in what we're doing. Because there's, uh, as chemistry educators, and I'm sure other physical science and math, oh, you teach chemistry. Oh, I hate it. I can't do math. And what we're doing is we're showing them that they actually can do it by building these concrete ideas. Yeah, because as Ariel pointed out, the human mind is actually wired to do it when it has meaning. Huh. So you guys are teaching chemistry. How are you integrating these ideas into maintaining your curriculum for the semester for chemistry? You know, give me some practical ways that you guys are, are integrating these ideas in your classroom, if you can. Well, one thing is um, we were just working with density this week, and I had them diagram what it meant to have 2.7 grams per milliliter, except I simplified it to three. They had a piece of aluminum, but, and we used little tiddlywink counters in order to represent the, a unit of mass. And we drew on a little small whiteboard. You mean little physical tiddly? Yeah. Little colored discs. Yeah. Yeah. So they're little green and blue and purple and red and all those colors. And they would have a set of these that would say, okay, these are representing units of mass. Now draw an object on your whiteboard that has so many units of volume. So like they would put maybe a square and divide it into fourths and have four one milliliter portions. And then if they had a density that was three grams for every one milliliter, that's another piece is making sure that for every language is in there. They pretty quickly intuit that they need to put three grams into every one milliliter block in front of them. And then they realize, oh, we just calculated, calculated uh, in quotes, how much mass those four milliliters had. Hmm. So they could visualize it and they get it. And then we, 
Then I took them and had them translate that into the calculations that would work using density, which is a relationship between mass and volume as a single ratio to get the calculation to work. And then they see how it works and why it works. And then we would also reverse it and give them a mass and to ask them how much volume that was. And they would just naturally just group it up. Oh, well, I need to put three gram groups together and every one of those is one milliliter. And they drew the boxes to give them one milliliters. And then we worked out the math. So it's like solve it visually, tactily, and then put the symbols on it. And what's so funny about it is that when you start doing it this way, the students kind of look at you like, yeah, obviously this is how you do it Be- because it is natural for us to think this way. We have put back the manipulatives. We've put back the way people naturally think by giving these, these ideas. And then in our conversations, when we have developed as a class, some of these vocabulary terms. So what, if we have developed the term mass, we are at what Brenda and I, this after our conversations this year, is we're actually them having them record. It's a quantity. What are these the units for it? And then as we develop more, we're beginning to label things as quantities and relationships. And what are they comparing? So they have this running list all the way throughout. So we're making it very explicit. What are our quantities? What units do we use for our quantities? How can we represent them? And what are our relationships? And how do we use these relationships to connect quantities? So as yes. we do it, we build it all the way throughout. So explicit with our diagrams, explicit with our vocabulary, and they're beginning to become a little more confident. And I mean, I'm, I'm yeah. learning this from my conversations with Brenda, and we've been talking about this for a while. And each time you do it, it gets better and better, and it's more and more fun. So you guys are seeing an improvement in student learning by integrating the, these manipulatives and tiddlywinks? And <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, I had a student come into my room last uh, yesterday afternoon to get some help because she was like, I, I asked her, how do you feel about math in general, just to kind of gauge because, you know, still learning the students here at the beginning of the year. And she said, I'm pretty good. And she said, I'm, you know, I feel really good with fractions, but these, what we're working with looks like fractions, but it doesn't make sense to me. Mm. In other words, she was looking at it through the wrong lens. And I actually went through and used these tiddlywinks to show her the difference between a fraction and these relationships of parts within, like so much mass that also belongs with so much volume for the same object versus Mm. here's eight cookies. Somebody ate two of them. That's one fourth and showed how that works. Here's four grams per milliliter. This is what it diagrams out as. And we're comparing two things within that object system thing that we're talking about, that substance. And by diagramming it, and again, then translating it into the mathematical, she realized what the distinctions were that Sometimes we're comparing parts within. Sometimes we're comparing a part to its whole. Sometimes we're comparing various parts to the whole. We used a car parts example, you know, 
four tires per car, one steering wheel per car. The system of a car has all these parts in it. And she could visualize it as you had all these different colored dots on to represent the parts of the car, the simplified version of a car. <laughs> mm-hmm. And had her work out some things and how you translate that into the mathematical expression. So um, I know when we were doing our workshop at BCCE, we had a, uh, one of our slides was experience, verbal, mm-hmm. diagrammatic, was that way, or diagrammatic, and then symbolic. Yes. That experience into verbal and diagrammatic tools helps get, anchor it in a very concrete way. And mm. then once we have the concrete, the concept in a verbalized, visualized manner, then we can start to put it into the normal symbolic form and the students bring the meaning with them mm. into the symbols. Because that is the problem is that the students may understand the concept, but then we put it in the symbolic form and it immediately triggers math and they jump back into math class and start behaving like they're there as if these symbols aren't actually directly connected to the thoughts and the concepts we were just talking about. It's just a way to compute. Yeah. Even the mathematical operations have, can have a little different interpretation in science because of the way they, they describe how parts come together and connect or join or differences or whatever. These different symbols have a connection to the physical world we're describing, but only if you catch how they relate to the concept. So one of the things that I, I think as, as we've been working together on this is considering First of all, being explicit with our language. So as modelers, we're really explicit with language. I'm very, very careful about the words that I use and why I use them. Um, the other thing is, is that we're, t- as, as modeling instruction has developed over these years, what Brenda and I are, are really working on is, I'm going to say, I, we've never had this conversation, but I'm going to say, we are actually redefining our model right now about how we approach using the mathematics in the physical sciences of mm-hmm. modeling instruction, that we had this one model that we were just using, um, that we never we never addressed the mathematics of it. We yeah we we assumed that students understood the symbols we were using if they came from an experience, right. not realizing there just might need to be an intermediary piece in there before we jump straight over to the full exactly. on mathematics. And this is particularly evident in chemistry because we cannot visual we cannot right. handle the actual objects that we are trying to describe molecules atoms and so on and so by giving a diagrammatic thing that talks about the mathematics of it from a conceptual visual manipulative way, manner it gives access to something that they can't that they may be still struggling to put the pieces together in the concept itself. So, right. This is the one thing that differentiates chemistry from physics is that w- with physics, that people have an intuitive understanding of physics. I, I can feel something speeding up. Hmm. I can, the basic kinematics are things that people experience on a regular basis and they, they have, 
even those complicated, I'm not saying it's not, but they have, there's a different feeling about it. Um, you're measuring buggies and time. and um, But when we're talking about chemistry, we talk about putting on your molecular goggles and zooming all the way down, but we're making representations of things that they, that people, we really can't see in a classroom. So yeah. because of this, we need to develop a model to bring this to life. And we've done that on with these particle diagrams. It's not just modelers. These are, these are chemistry educators and chemistry communicators. And now as we spend more time with this, we need to, be a little more careful and spend this time. It's also because as more expert educators, we see these differences. They are inherent to us, but not everybody sees them and not every educator sees them. But by really going back to language, by making it clear what we're looking at and then and using so our language and using um, ex um, diagrams and symbols, then we can develop the math together. So it's not just us telling, it's not just, you know, do these steps. It's we can yes. actually see how all the pieces fit together. As we know with modeling, we talk about multiple representations all the time. And the, the why do we talk about multiple representations all the time? It's not because we like to torture our students and say, you have to show us this in these multiple ways. It's well, that's a bonus, but, um, <laughs> but <laughs> sorry, I'm a teacher. Um, but because they're all inherent to the understanding, it, they're all, we need all pieces to actually develop that deep understanding of what we're talking about. Yes, mm -hmm. because these different representations cue different parts of the brain to think about it. Different parts of the brain. So that when you get more parts of your mind engaged with it, then you actually start to build connections between the parts of the brain so that it can access, you know, the verbal part can access a visual part, can access a mathematical part because mm -hmm. different things happen in different parts of the brain. And one of the things we need to do is to get more parts of the brain to light up simultaneously so that we can build bridges between them. And we're, uh, you know, been recognizing that the thing that we haven't been diagramming and including is we have this very abstract mathematical symbol set that we assume students understand, but maybe we do need some ways to bridge that. And that came from many dialogues with Rob McDuff, who has a retired professor at Fresno, um, not Fresno, that's where I am, <laughs> at Arizona State University. And, um, you know, and he kind of helped me verbalize some of this and get some tools and things like that from some things he developed with teaching kids mathematics, cognitive instruction and math modeling, um, or modeling mathematics, I'd have to look back. But anyway, Rob helped provide some of the diagrammatic ways of doing that. And we've been working on how do we actually implement that in chemistry and just because we're chemistry teachers, but you know, there, there are people who've used this in other sciences. It's just, maybe we need a, a, an intermediary, a secondary non, non-traditional set of symbols that capture the ideas more concretely, more visually so students can learn to articulate them and then add on the symbols again, 
hoping that they carry the meaning back into the symbols that we need. For chemistry, sometimes it's just really cool particle diagrams that help us do that. You know, we've learned to group molecules when we're talking about reactions. So they see the for every two hydrogen molecules, we need one oxygen molecule, and that gives us two water molecules. By using some groupings in our particle diagram, it gives us a visualization of the relationships. And so this is just taking some things that are harder to diagram and giving us a tool to do it with. We'll get back to the interview in a moment. But first, did you know you can support the AMTA by simply shopping online with Amazon? When you use Amazon Smile, Amazon will make a donation to the AMTA at no additional cost to you. Setting up Amazon Smile is easy. Just go to smile.amazon.com. That's S-M-I-L-E dot A-M-A-Z-O-N dot com. And select American Modeling Teachers Association as your preferred charity. You signing up will really help the modeling cause. Now, back to the interview. Ariel, you mentioned something a few minutes ago about how many people don't think about these things when they're doing chemistry or even mm-hmm. educators. I'm curious as to what you guys know about across the U.S., are educators thinking this? Are they aware of these tools for the classroom? Are they even aware of the need for them? I'm curious what you guys know about that. And then my second part to the question is, is in the workshop, what was the response (laughs) of your attendees? Did they, was this something, oh, finally somebody saying something about, or, you know, I'm just curious. So, Two, two parts to that question. I think the, the first part is, is that there's, there are a lot of conversations that my students can't do math. My student, and they're, they're focused on the problem. And I think there's a, the focus is on mathematical without understanding what the real issue or, or one of the issues is that the students just don't really know the difference. And hmm. My, at least my experience from is that teachers are having conversations. Well, how can we help our students? How can we help them be better? How can we help them figure all these things out? And sometimes the people's reaction is, let's take out the math. And what we're saying is, no, we need to redefine the math. And when we're looking at the response to the workshop that we did in Indiana and the works and the conversations that Brenda and I have been having with other people and from the webinar on Monday, uh, people are just slack jawed. They're like, Oh, Whoa, I need to sit with this because it's a new way of looking at it. Brenda first started having these conversations with me in the summer of 20. 19, 19, 2019, because Brenda, Ariel out of the water. (laughs) It it is true. I I have the pages. I still have the notebook with all the pages of notes that Brenda said, Hey, Ariel, let's put together a proposal for BCCE in 2020 in Oregon at Corvallis, Oregon. And we talked about it and on the phone and the phone call must have lasted two hours. 
And I, huh. first of all, I was so excited that Brenda wanted to do a workshop with me because I was, it was going to be so much fun. And I was just amazed. And then we, we wrote up the proposal. The proposal got accepted for 2020. And then BCCE in 2020 didn't happen. And then summer of 2021, I, I don't remember my years anymore. Uh, when the proposals opened again, I said, Brenda, let's do you want to do this and and here we 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 revisited the conversation and i and we worked really hard together for our workshop in indiana and then for this proposal for the webinar we just did and the more time we spend talking with each other besides the fact that we really enjoy each other's company even if it's across the screen screen three thousand miles apart or however many thousands of miles apart it is too far. I don't know. <laughs> California, Massachusetts. Yeah. Um, we really develop deep, deep understandings together that, you know, you're good. At, one brain is good, but two brains are better. And it, it was such thoughtful discussions that we really fine-tuned it. And then when we started doing this webinar, it was, oh, we'll just do the same thing we did in Indiana. And they were like, no, we, we completely changed entirely what we did to really huh. focus on what the problem was looking at this difference between uh quantities and numbers and relationships and why it's important and how do we see it and how could we apply it to not just chemistry but to physics and physical sciences and how it's applicable to going grocery shopping and all the way throughout and and the response to go back to your question because i'm not ignoring your question is is that based on the survey we did people were like this is people gave us four and fives out of fives and the, and they wanted more specific training how do i use this in my classroom how do i have it more hmm. content specific i need to sit with this i am thinking um erica postuma wants us to write an uh, a series of articles for chemet exchange that people want people want this they are craving this they hmm. just didn't know they needed it and we didn't realize the huge door we just threw open so We'll see if we drown. <laughs> Is there other research going on or other people who are, are are digging into this that you're aware of? Or are you guys kind of... Uh, no, uh, I'm sure. Icebreakers. Well, no, for one, Rob McDuff has been doing it for a couple of decades. Uh, and I first ran into him in 2004. And I think the inklings of what we are using were already emerging at that time. Um he did some things in at Arizona state. I went to an online workshop that he did. Um, when was that? Like the winter of 2010, 11, something like that, hmm. where I, I learned how he does math and how he proposed it. And that's when I learned about how to, how, how all these, he calls them dots. We were using chips to make it very manipulative. Um, but you could diagram it with a pencil or set of markers or whatever on a whiteboard as well. Uh, and I've done some of that with students and, um, but it's out there. I think there are some things in some of the mathematics of, um, why am I not Ariel, the current math standards, the common Co core. common core. 
part of the way math is handled in common core can have some of these elements in it. I think we're recognizing this need to put more concrete stuff with the math, not just let's give them examples of problems they can solve, but learn the math in more visual concrete ways. So this is not that we're like breaking the ice where nobody has gone, but maybe adding a voice to a way that it could be handled and tools that we are, you know, we've taken some other people's ideas and developed them in our own classrooms. Um, we've already, like you mentioned, Erica, but some others that have just like, oh, yeah. can we have some more dialogue on this? There's ideas. Are there other ways that we can think about this? I have a feeling, at least in the modeling community, we may have opened the door to a lot more dialogue with more people, in which case more ideas will emerge, maybe some more applications because the two of us can't come up with it all. Hmm. You know, like I'm meeting with two local teachers tomorrow after school in order to explain the density activity and talk about how it could be used. And hmm. it's, um, yeah, I've <laughs> been asked to write papers. Let's see about that one because <laughs> it's hard to, how do you put this in paper? So are you guys planning to do another workshop soon or more workshops or what's, what's your kind of plan for spreading the word here? Um, right now um, I'm going to preemptively apologize when I don't respond to texts or phone calls for the next month because we're entering my holiday season. So nothing is happening uh, for a month and then mm. we can revisit everything else. But yes, we, there is talk of doing more. Talk of how we could do this. I happened to have a conversation with my county science coordinator mentioning that we just did this webinar and she's like, like, could we do this in our county? And it's not even a thing yet. <laughs> so, yeah. um, yes, we're looking at yeah. ways. And I would love to have a multi-person, like almost committee planning kind of brainstorming because it, it needs to be with a small group of people so we can get something that's coherent. Yes. That can be disseminated. I, the, the one other thing I wanted to add, because Brenda said something earlier, and I just want to about by using multiple representations that we make connections to, to understanding concepts. But there's another part of it that I think is really important. Once you start making connections, your brain becomes sticky. And you're able to make more connections to other things. So it's not just that we're making using all these multiple representations to make connections in a concept. You can then make connections to other concepts. And that is the extended power of what we're trying to do. And, and you know, I'll, I'll do our other favorite quote, Brenda, um, is that conceptual competency is required for skill transference. Hmm. One complaint that teachers always say is, I taught this, why don't they know it? Or how come they can't, like, we, we learned this two months ago, why can't you do it now? It's because they actually didn't necessarily develop the conceptual competency. Hmm. And our goal is to develop conceptual competency so then you can make these connections all the way throughout. Hmm. Yes. One of the things that when you diagram out the mathematical reasoning, what you can show is you just did this, but did you realize that that relationship you have 
could be any of a number of things. It's not specific to a particular concept. So if you have three grams per milliliter, it could also be three meters per second. It could also be $3 per pound. It could also be three joules per gram. They would all diagram the same. In fact, early on, when I first introduced the idea that you can take a quantity, multiply by a relationship and get a second quantity, and I would shorthand it Q times R equals Q in my classroom, I had a student after, I don't know, a couple months or so of doing this, um, he kind of piped up in the middle of class one day and said, man, that Q times R equals Q sure is useful. (laughs) And it was like, Yes, because he was figuring out it was the same reasoning. He was transferring the skill he learned with density or heat capacity or whatever over to new things like balancing equations and thinking about reactions or stoichiometry or whatever else you may use that is that same kind of proportional reasoning. I was having, a, I have two student teachers this year. I love, they're great. They're going to be amazing teachers. And, uh, so maybe they'll listen to this. And we were talking at lunch today and they were asking, said, well, you know, that the, how when they went to school, their classes were very much lecture and test and higher education. So lecture and test. And, you know, I did push back, say their things are changing. But they said, well, are we preparing our students? I said, what we are doing in our classrooms with modeling instruction and this specifically this way of thinking is we're giving them a real particle level understanding of what's happening. That it doesn't matter if I'm not going to expose them to every single like kinetics equation. Now all of a sudden we understand how to make connections when things are happening at the particle level, that they have the skills, they have that conceptual competency that they can do it on their own that they'll yeah. be able to know it and remember it and apply it. And then if they want to go into higher level science, if they want to go into the medical field, but if you want to go into, um, if you're going to be a mechanic, you're going to be the best gosh darn mechanic you can have because you understand how these connections are made. And you understand that, hey, if I put that motor oil over there, that's going to really screw it up because you have this understanding on a big picture. Wow. So, I know that in an audio format like this, you can't really do the training <laughs> webinar that you guys did because it's so visually demanding. You know, you guys have to, I'm sure, share a lot of visual stuff. Um, but was this the webinar that you just did I, or BCCE? I, I don't know which are, were either of them recorded video wise or can, you know, can people go check this out somewhere if they're interested after hearing this. Why, yes, Mark, as a matter of fact, the recording <laughs> for the, <laughs> the recording for the webinar uh, that we did on Monday night, uh, September 19th, um, has been uploaded to the members portal on the American Modeling Teachers Association website. So if you are not yet an AMTA member, please join or re-up your membership and you can watch the member. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you, you can watch that webinar and get the slides that we had and other things yep. maybe maybe worth the price of membership <laughs> <laughs> plus you get notifications of future webinars and in case we are we end up doing another in which i kind of think may be in the cards um <laughs> then that would also be announced through amta and other social media pro- platforms so 
Well, there's a a lot of reasons to become a member of AMTA, you know, but obviously one good one is the <laughs> webinar you guys just did. So that that's uh, awesome. Okay, so if you're a member and you're listening to this, uh, you have access to watch the webinar. Uh, on the AMTA site. Do you know where it is on the site? Um, it'll uh, it'll be on, I believe, on and under the member portal. And um, as you, if you want to keep talking, I'll go find it right now. Well, if you're not a member of AMTA, uh, I would, and along with many other people, encourage you to become a member because there are a lot of other resources available through that. Uh, your membership there, uh, not the least of knowing when workshops are happening, uh, even the uh, modeling workshops beyond this uh, mathematical reasoning workshop. So get out there and join. <laughs> did you find it? I did find it. So when you log into the member portal, uh, and there it says member resources, there are a bunch of green buttons, and there are ones that say recorded webinars. Okay. So if you click on recorded webinars, you can hear not only the, our very entertaining recorded webinar, there will be other ones that have been done in the past as well. Cool. There's some on uh, standards-based grading and um, classroom discourse and, you know, a, a variety of things over time. So... Cool. Well, you too, this has been a really informative podcast, and I, I'm excited to share it with our listeners. Um, I want to thank you both, um, Ariel, especially you. Take it, you know, it's late at night. I know where you are. You're probably heading close to bedtime. At least I would be at this <laughs> time uh, <laughs> in Massachusetts. But uh, I really am grateful that you took the time out of your busy schedule to do this. Brenda, you as well. And uh, I'm, um, I, I know this is going to be an important conversation and probably open up some more conversation as a result of this podcast, so this episode. So thank you, too. And uh, we'll see you soon, Brenda, sooner than Ariel. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Mark. And it's always yeah. a pleasure. And Brenda, it's always fun. Yeah. Thank you for um, letting this message just get uh, distributed one more time. Well, AMTA has a lot to do with the distribution of this uh, podcast as well. So we're grateful to them and all the work they do. Yep. Okay. You guys have a great evening. Thank you. Thanks. You too. Thanks so much for joining us on another episode of Science Modeling Talks. Head over to sciencemodelingtalks.com and you'll be able to listen to any of our archived episodes and access our show notes, which include guest bios, show highlights, and links to resources that were mentioned during the interview. While you're there, subscribe to our show so you won't miss out on any of our episodes. When you join this community through our email list, we'll send you a link to a lot of awesome resources from the American Modeling Teachers Association. Okay, so that's our show. As always, remember to keep striving for excellence in your classroom.